Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Welcome to the show, Rosie. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Really, really good. It's so good to talk to you. I know it's going to be an amazing conversation, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself personally. So I'm Rosie Reese, and I'm uh, the Women's Nude Yoga founder. Uh, I created Yoni Pleasure Palace, which is an online shop with Yoni eggs and pleasure wands. And I'm a relationship coach based in Perth, Western Australia. Amazing. Where I was born. (laughs) I can't believe that. I know it's random. People can't usually even hear my Aussie accent anymore. There's a little hint of it. It will get progressively more Australian as I talk to you, though. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll get progressively English because I lived in London for two years as well. Oh, wow. Amazing. Gosh, small world. Um, So I want to dive right in. You are obviously in quite a niche industry, position, business, which I think is amazing and so needed at the moment. And I know that my audience has loads of questions for you. So one of the questions that comes up, it comes up with my clients and also a lot of my listeners wanted to know about this, is when they experience pains during sex and things like that, they think that there's just something wrong with them physically. But you and I will probably know that that's an emotional root cause often. So pain during sex, is this a physical problem or is this an emotionally linked problem for women? For me, it's completely emotionally linked. The times when I have had painful sex is because of a multitude of reasons within the relationship that wasn't working. So I didn't feel safe. Um, There was a break of trust. I couldn't open. It was always linked to something emotional which always, you know, represents in the body somewhere. And when it's a, particularly in a, in an intimate relationship, it often reflects in the sexual relationship, particularly in your vagina. So often you'll just like you, you know, if you're protecting yourself, you'll tense up or your shoulders will kind of curve in, or you'll just become guarded. So our vagina does exactly the same thing when we don't feel safe to be vulnerable, to open, to, you know, express ourselves authentically, our vagina muscles will literally clamp up and will create things like vaginismus, um, even like vulvodynia, which is such a growing syndrome that women are experiencing. And it's simply because we haven't been taught how to 
you know, interact sexually with another person from a young age. We're kind of either not told anything at all and it becomes a huge mystery or we are just told about STDs, how to not get pregnant and, you know, the reproductive system and that's it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. The shame, I think, starts really early on for girls and it's not always like super explicit, is it? It's just feeling, I don't know, embarrassed about your vagina or uh, being told that sex is like a dirty thing. It's not to be spoken about. You don't speak about it at the dinner table with your family, but you're learning about it at school, but in quite a clinical way. So I know that I can pinpoint so many periods of my life where I felt ashamed to be a woman, ashamed to have a vagina ashamed to talk about sex yeah absolutely and I think we all have experienced that to some extent I mean I was my first sexual experience you know sexual play I was six years old and I didn't get any sex education till I was maybe 15 so you know child sex play is a huge thing and you grow up feeling so shameful about it and, you, and then you're carrying around the shame. There was just absolutely zero talk of sex in my family. And when I did bring it up at the dinner table when I was about 17, my mum shut it down straight away. So it's it's kind of just ingrained. And, and I went to a very, very strict Catholic um, school. So that was kind of filtered in, you know, save sex for marriage. You don't want to be, you know, giving sex to your boyfriends until you're married. And And I don't remember shedding that guilt and shame until I was about 26 and that's when I sort of discovered had a sexual awakening and discovered the yoni egg and discovered conscious self-pleasure and you know had an incredible partner who took me through tantra and this should be taught from such a young age we would we wouldn't have to go through you know like unconsensual experiences and so many women are inorgasmic or just don't even like their vagina and are going and getting labiaplasty surgery on their vaginal lips like so it filters into everything this shame that we are embedded with as we grow up is is really filtered into so many different areas it's so true and I think if you said you know oh we should teach sexual pleasure to kids people would be outraged but then you know everybody grows up and has sex so why aren't we talking about it you know it's kind of the same thing with money it's like these taboo topics that we just grow up and we have no equipment or no tools or apparatus to deal with them and we're just kind of thrown in and expected to know what we're doing. Yeah, we're literally thrown into the real world after finishing high school with absolutely zero skills on how to you know, create healthy boundaries, how to navigate a relationship, how to talk about jealousy and trust and you know, it's, oh my God, we're so, and this is why it's so important for parents to release their shame. Because I mean, a lot of our parents, they weren't educated either. So we can't really rely on them to give us, you know, adequate sex education. But I'm getting more and more mums reaching out to me on Instagram saying, you know, last night, my little girl, she put up a sign on her bedroom door saying that she was doing nude yoga and please don't disturb. And I just thought that was amazing because she'd taught her daughter if you want to self-pleasure, if you want to do naked yoga, if you want to do anything in your bedroom and not be disturbed, just pop a sign on the door and we will not, you know, we won't even ask questions. Now, how amazing is that? I, I remember discovering my clitoris at 12 years old and I was behind my bedroom door hoping to dear God no one walked in. And I didn't even feel like I didn't even orgasm. I didn't even, I was just, there was so much shame that I stopped doing it. And I didn't even rediscover my clitoris until I was about 17 because of the fear of being caught and I think a lot of us even as adults 
um, have this fear of being loud, caught, you know, we're not taught how to have expressive, passionate lovemaking with ourselves, but also with a partner. Absolutely. As well, I was talking to one of my friends and she's a sexual empowerment coach and we were talking about self-pleasure and masturbation. And I said, you know, a lot of women feel they can't talk about that. And she said, Amy, I don't think a lot of women are even doing that. So do you think that women hold a lot of shame around self-pleasure? I mean, definitely most women aren't talking about it with each other. Yeah, I think as little girls, a lot of the women that I coach and that I speak to, if they were touching their, vag- their vulva, their vagina, they were often, and caught doing that, they were often smacked, like smack their hands away saying that's naughty, that's dirty, don't touch there. Um, and so you're, you've given, you know, this story that it's bad and it's shameful. So that's really common. For me, I was never caught doing anything. It was just this almost unspoken belief that it's bad. So, yeah, I think we're doing a lot of rewiring and unlearning around our, our ma- I don't even say the word masturbation anymore because it's just such a icky word. I love the word self-pleasure. Um, and I think we're really unlearning all the shit that we were taught when we were growing up or not taught as it were. Um, and we're relearning how to touch ourselves, how to pleasure, how to orgasm. You know, for me, during self-pleasure, it used to be very clitoral focused, vibrators, not making any sound as quick as I can. And for a lot of women, that's, that's kind of it. And it wasn't until I actually went internally inside the vagina and really explored all these different spots and, and took my focus away from the clitoral orgasm that I started having really beautiful experiences, both with myself and with a partner. Yeah, I think because of that shame, because of that, I guess, cloud of guilt and all of those old memories around what it means to pleasure yourself, they can rush that process, you know, and just do it really quickly, trying not to get caught. But I mean, how would we feel if a lover did that to us, just went in and out really quickly, didn't even take off our dress, just kind of, you know, had their way with us, like it would feel awful. And yet we do that to ourselves, you know, or a lot of people would do that to themselves. So I think that there's definitely um, something to be said about taking your time, exploring that part of yourself, but also having an emotional connection and an emotional relationship with your vagina and with pleasure. Absolutely. And, you know, one really beautiful tool, I guess, to to kind of help yourself get into that space is breast massage. And often as women, you know, if we go straight to the vagina, you know, even if a partner goes straight to the vagina, often it's kind of like jolting and it's not, you're not ready. It's often women need at least 45 minutes to actually really open with a partner and feel safe. You know, so foreplay is super important. And it is important that we give ourselves foreplay as well. And breast massage, it's so important that we stimulate the breasts, activate our emotion, you know, that's the, the sort of hub of our emotional body. And once we kind of stimulate the nipples and the breast tissue, when we feel connected to this space, often our vagina will naturally open and be more lubricated. Um, So I think our breasts and our nipples kind of don't get enough love. And often, you know, when we do start to, I massage them every day after a shower and, you know, they've definitely grown and they've become perkier and more um, firmer and that kind of thing. Like there's actually other benefits to it as well, but it is really important that we first activate the heart space and then naturally the yoni will open Mm, we're so emotionally motivated aren't we as women Mm, 
Oh yeah. And you know, when you, we often just shut down in the heart, even just going to the heart, placing both hands on your breasts and just sensing how that feels often in my workshops. So I teach the naked yoga workshop for women. They'll often just totally not even touch their breasts in daily life. Like breasts are either just put in a bra and then, you know, kind of inconvenient or their partner, they don't even like their partner touching them or they're just for breastfeeding or there's fear around breasts, you know, breast cancer or, you know, there's so many different things that aren't kind of encapsulated with the breasts. But what about if we just touch them more and feel them and tell them they're beautiful and because I think breast cancer is just one of the biggest cancers of for women. And it's like, imagine if we could just love up our breasts a bit more give them lots of praise, stimulate our nipples, stimulate our breasts. And, um, you know, obviously that's going to create more of a connection there and we'll, we will become more sexually aroused as well as a, as a byproduct of that. Amazing. So you've mentioned this breast massage. What are some other ways that people can start to release any trauma from, you know, their vagina, from their womb. I know about de-armoring, but our listeners may not. So what are some of your favorite go-to methods that people can call on to start to open this area? Definitely de-armoring is a beautiful um, practice. So we sell a product called the Cervix Serpent and it's this kind of, it's pretty long. It's very, it, it looks a little intimidating, but it's made of pure glass and it's got the right ridges and bulbs in the right places and you can warm it up in the shower and put some beautiful coconut oil on it and what it's designed to do is just gently press into certain spots inside the vagina to release tension so just like we hold tension and knots in our neck or in our shoulders and it helps if we have a massage therapist press on them rather than going to get a massage from somebody you know it's for our yoni we can actually do it ourselves it is great for your partner to be able to do that for you as well but if you're wanting to do something on your own having uh, the cervix serpent wand or something even using your fingers a lot of women have this aversion to even putting their fingers inside their vagina um, so actually putting you know something inside you to gently press and knead into those areas of numbness or pain or tension to release that tension, to create more blood flow, to create more prana, so energy pathways inside the vagina. I swear when I started doing this, my orgasm completely changed. It's like it, like something woke up within me and I was able to feel more during sex. Another tool is the yoni egg. So even if you're, if you're not ready to do any sort of de-armoring work or internal massage on your vagina, just wearing a, a beautiful rose quartz yoni egg or, you know, nephrite jade egg, which we sell on our website as well, just wearing them inside your body, even though you can't, you don't necessarily feel the egg inside you, it simply acts as a weight resistance. So you wear it inside and you can either wander around the house with it in for sort of 20 to 30 minutes and just notice how it feels, or you can do a beautiful yoni egg practice, which is literally like squeezing the egg wrapping the muscles around it and then gently exhaling and releasing the muscles and kind of having a few different pelvic floor exercises that you do potentially daily or every second day to switch on the pelvic floor muscles but also to you know put an intention into the crystal before you put it inside your body and actually think about what is it that you want to let go what's no longer serving you an egg is such a beautiful I guess a sign or a symbol of feminine energy, of, of rebirth, of creation, of new life, you know, in, and putting that inside your body is so powerful and it can be incredibly healing. So that there's some other tips that I would definitely suggest. 
I love my Yoni egg. Uh, mine's a rose quartz one. Um, I actually did a de-armoring yesterday and it's it's so interesting. Like the longer that you hold and you press, you do feel those feelings come up and you feel that tension release and you feel different waves of feeling and sensation. It's really quite bizarre if you've never tried it before. Yeah. Yeah. And often quite ragey, angry ones. I don't know about you, but I've, when I've had a yoni massage by a practitioner or if I'm using something on myself, often it's like really angry feelings. Yeah, I, I noticed a lot of sadness ca- came up for me, um, but I think I had quite I have quite a lot of trauma that I'm still working through. You know, I ruptured my cervix when I was like 19 having sex. Um, and then when I was 21, I was actually raped and I never told anyone and it was a friend and it was a bit of a like gray area in terms of like we were drinking. I said yes, but then I wanted to stop sort of thing. So um I think for me, there's a lot of sadness that I'm holding on to. So I'm really trying to work through that at the moment. But I think even though there's sadness, I think it's really beautiful and it feels really empowering for me anyway, that I have these tools at my disposal that I can call on and that there's not actually something wrong with me physically. It's just an emotional thing that I need to work through. Yeah. Yeah. Just an emotional release and our body holds on to those emotions inside the, inside the cells often under that sadness is anger and under the anger is sadness. So it's just being able to dive into those and know it's okay. It's, it's, we, we have this aversion to pain and we're constantly seeking pleasure, particularly around emotions. And it's like sometimes you need to actually feel the pain in order to receive more pleasure both you know, in your life but also sexually. Totally. So, Rosie, one of the questions that I got asked by tons of my listeners was about how to kind of bring that mojo or reignite that spark in a relationship that's maybe like a longer term relationship. I know that I've heard you talk about, you know, sex being like the glue that keeps the relationship together. So what advice would you give for someone who wants to really like amp that up in their long term relationship? My my tip is always to, and I just posted about this on my Instagram, work on yourself and naturally the relationship will flourish. You shouldn't have to work on the relationship so much. Like it shouldn't feel like work. And I think that when you do start to work on yourself, because at the end of the day, it's always about you. You know, it's never when we start to point the finger at the other partner, you're doing this wrong, not getting enough of this. There's always three fingers facing back at you. So it's always really important to do self-reflection, look at where, you what you're contributing to the dynamic takes some you know self-responsibility and then sort of go to your partner look this is how I'm feeling um and this is and so sort of taking responsibility for where you're at and, and your role in the whole dynamic then also saying to them well listen this is what I need this is what I really would love to you know get from you maybe and I think when you go into a conversation with a partner first really taking ownership of your stuff it makes the it makes the other partner feel way more open to listening to you because if you go in all guns blazing, they're just going to be like, you know, they're not going to listen. So it is important to kind of do that first and then go, okay, this is what I would really love. You know, after years of being with the same person, it does take time and energy, but you have to put that into the relationship. You know, even if it's scheduling sex, um, going away on staycations every few few months 
um, making sure you have date nights, you know, get, get a babysitter. But I think it's really, you know, I always say, have a vulnerable heart opening conversation and your pussy will turn on. You know, if you, a vulnerable conversation is literally the key to having better sex. When you, when you feel closer with your partner emotionally, particularly if you're a woman, you will naturally want to bang your partner more often. Like it's where, whereas if there's a lot of stuff in between you and if there's walls up, there's no way you're having good sex. And how can you open if, if your heart's closed down, if you're guarded, if you don't, if there's a lack of trust, there needs to be this open flow of communication and, and heart energy between you in order for the sex, your sex life to flourish. So resonate with that. A lot of my clients are mums. And so the dynamic of their sexual relationship with their husbands definitely has changed after they've had kids. And something I notice is that because they're doing so much all the time they can get into this wounded place of being like a martyr or feeling like they're doing everything for everyone else and then they'll be bickering with their husband about you know not taking the bins out or picking their socks up off the floor and then that puts these walls up with them because they're in this kind of like unhealthy feminine way and so their partner is not going to then show up as that beautiful masculine man to hold her and to you know hold her in that sexual space because he's in defense mode. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, when we are in those unhealthy, immature, feminine or masculine roles, it's, it's just having that conversation, creating the time and the space to actually come back into your healthy roles um, because nothing's going to happen. Nothing good's going to happen from those unhealthy roles. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's having a really uncomfortable conversation that you really don't want to have, but you need to bust through that to be able to break through to those other levels of, of connection and, and pleasure that you can, can have. And, you know, for some people it's like, yeah, they are, they're both working full time, they have kids um, and then they get into bed and it's like, well, I don't want to have sex. It's really important that you, there might be figuring out, figuring out the time of day where your arousal peaks initiate something I think it's it's important that both parties in the relationship initiate from time to time so if you can't remember the last time you've initiated sex with your partner try and surprise them you know if you're like a midnight person or if you're like a first thing in the morning like really get on par with your partner when is their go time and also when's yours like so you can kind of figure out when's a good time of day for you to be intimate and also look into like what is your erotic blueprint there's an amazing quiz out there by Jaya the erotic blueprint you can find out okay well you know you might be speaking different love languages in terms of the bedroom and so figuring out are you more kinky person or are you more sexual or sensual or energetic there's so many different aspects that play into this and I think yeah again we're not educated enough about how to express our desires and our needs our wants and our fears and even sitting down with your partner and going what is your needs what are you what are your wants what are your desires and what are your fears those are four incredibly moving questions that you can do for yourself and if you feel comfortable you can um, ask your partner to, to you know you can either write them down and share them or you can switch turns and just say as it as it comes up I think that's an amazing insight. I think a lot of women struggle or feel embarrassed or don't want to hurt their partner's feelings in the bedroom 
a lot of my girlfriends have expressed like they don't really like the way that their partner, you know, performs, you know, oral sex on them and they would rather it be a different way, but they can't seem to, I guess, muster the courage to tell them because they don't want to hurt their feelings. So how would you say would be the best way to uh, express to your partner uh, what it is that you want if they're maybe doing something else and you don't want to hurt their feelings? Amazing question. So I suggest not bringing it up in the bedroom. So if, you, if you're sort of halfway through oral sex or, you know, you're just about to begin foreplay or whatever, or even afterwards, I would avoid talking about it while you're dur- during that period of time when you're actually being intimate. I would actually really carve out some time when you're having a cup of coffee in the lounge room or you're going on a walk together or something where, you know, you're because it's so easy to take it personally if you're in the middle of doing it, basically. Um, so sitting down and actually having a conversation like, you know, when you do this on my clitoris side to side, I really prefer it if you go up and down or, you know, do a talking stick activity where you literally get a stick or something um, and just the person that's holding the stick is talking and, and talk for five minutes, put a, put a timer on and then switch turn and you can't interrupt each other while the other person's talking and then switch turns and get the other person to hold the stick and go, well, I really, I thought you liked that. You know, you said five years ago that that's how you enjoyed it. How am I meant to know when you change your mind? You know, you can actually get through so much from just sitting down and talking and and taking turns, but definitely try to do it outside of the bedroom. So there's, you know, less things can be taken personally and give them what I call a shit sandwich. So good, bad, good. So tell them something good. I really love it when you do this. But when you do this, it really hurts. I really don't like it when you do that. But I really enjoy it when you pull my hair or whatever whatever it is. Give them a shit sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Love it. Love it. So one of my listeners has asked a really great question that I think a lot of people resonate with. And she said that, you know, she's left an abusive relationship and she wants to know how to get comfortable again, receiving pleasure and feeling safe. So I know that you have some personal insights into this. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts. Yeah, this is a, this is kind of the turning point of my life when I was in an abusive relationship. Um, this is about six years ago. So 2012, 2011, 2012. I really believe that we attract in the, a partner that we need at that time or that is a reflection of a part of us so at that time for me like I just didn't have any self-worth I was very unhealthy I was alone so I just moved to this big city I didn't know anyone I was kind of you know not desperate but I I wanted love and I kind of just when he came along you know obviously he was vibrating at the same level as me on some vibration on some level so I feel like we we do attract in the same frequency that we're vibrating at. Um, and that was really hard for me to actually admit that because I'd done so much bloody self-development work on myself, but I'd still re- was really in a low, dark space in my life. Um, so I attracted him in and I'm so, in a way, I'm so glad I did because I took my whole life in this direction that I'm on now. And so I, in a way, I thank him for that. Um, but I did have to face some pretty ugly shadows during that. So he was very verbally abusive, manipulative, um, but I was always one step, well, to when I figured it out that he was a complete narcissist and I was really stuck, um, 
I had to really be strategic in getting myself out of there. And, you know, even blogging, I hadn't even started my website then, but I used to write these articles and he would want to read them, but they were pretty much all about him and about the unhealthiness and this terror, like really unhealthy masculine energy and unhealthy feminine. And so when I broke it off, you know, I just felt this incredible empowerment and, and, and it's like, self-love and self-respect for myself that I'd never had before and coming into the next relationship that I was in I can't in a way I brought all that baggage with me into the next relationship and I really this is kind of what I want women to kind of not do because it's it's really important that we do the work on ourselves and not carry that big backpack of you know pain that we've kind of cultivated in that previous relationship and I think a lot of people do this unconsciously I wasn't aware that I had because I attracted in this incredible partner Um, but I brought along all this pain and mistrust in men and um, anger there was so much anger in me and I brought it all into my new beautiful relationship but he was able to hold me through that and you know I think it's allowing yourself to trust again allowing yourself to love again and heightening your vibration by doing the inner work by learning to self-love using the yoni egg breast massage finding ways to reconnect to yourself when you start to love and trust yourself naturally that will raise your vibration and then you'll attract in someone who who is the same you know has that same vibration for themselves um, and will be able to share that with you wow that's incredible and you've been on an even more exciting, fun, magic, interesting journey since then, right? So you are now in a same-sex relationship. You've got an amazing girlfriend and you're a stepmom. So how did that all come about? You know, because previously, you know, you were with men and now you're with a woman. And I think people would love to hear about like, you know, how did that come about and what's been your experience of, I guess, like moving over to a different type of relationship? Yeah. Um, well, it was about it was over a year ago now. I was with a man and I was pretty happy. I thought everything was kind of okay. Like it wasn't an amazing, I, I knew I wasn't going to marry the guy, but I was pretty content. And she was in a similar situation. Um, and I met her like three years ago. So she's a choreographer, choreographer for um Jungle Body, which is like a dance fitness company. And I'd seen her dance and I actually had this massive girl crush on her from years and years ago. But I never I never reached out to her or anything like that. And then, yeah, I just kind of reached out to her one day and was like, I because I at the time when I saw her up on stage, I really felt something, felt there was this electricity, there was this energy between us that was undeniable. It was just, I was very attracted, but also just this energy I felt like I wanted to get to know her but you know we're both in relationships with men and so this one day I literally just reached out to her um she'd been come popping up on my stories every now and again just messaging me out of the blue and then one day I just messaged her saying I have a really random question for you but are you into women and she replied with wow that's for starters that's really out there that's pretty blunt um but she was like yeah I am actually and then I said well I've had a crush on you for like three or four years and she says what I've had one on you as well (laughs) like from afar you know how you girl crush on people on Instagram and that kind of thing and then we just started speaking and when we met up the chemistry was there immediately we couldn't even deny it um and then after that we both parted ways with our partners and 
we've been together for a year now and it's just the most beautiful, natural, healthy, loving relationship I've ever been in. The gender aspect doesn't even come into it for me anymore. Like I never thought I'd be with a woman. Um, I always was attracted to women, but I thought that was normal. I thought most women sort of had a bi bisexual part to themselves. Um, never did I think I would be so in love. I didn't even think I could be in a relationship with a woman, but it just feels incredibly natural. And, you know, she holds a much more masculine energy than me. And so a lot of people kind of ask, how does the sex side of things work? It's like, well, it works just like any, any other relationship. Sometimes I'm a bit more masculine. Sometimes she's more feminine. But for the most part, I'm definitely more the feminine one in a relationship and she's more masculine. That's amazing. So how are you more feminine and how does she kind of assume that more masculine role? Like what does that look like? Um, masculine, she she's just like gets shit done. She's very like fixes everything and she builds stuff. Um, she wears workman boots and she, you know, she'll just wear jeans and a button-up shirt. Like in terms of what she does and how she looks, but then on, a, on another side, she's very motherly. She's got a daughter and she's a very motherly person and she cooks and she's cleans and um, she does dancing. So she does this calisthenics like ballet dancing and she was an incredible dancer so she can really tap into that energy of being a dancer and being a mother and nurturing. But then other times I swear I'm with a man, like she's more masculine than any of the men I've been dating before put together. Um, and that's really attractive to me. I love that she has that blend. And me, I, I think I'm more definitely more girly and the way I wear and the way I hold myself. Um, you know, I'm more emotional. So I'm the more of the, the communicator and um, definitely more of the emotional one. And, but then again, I bring this masculine energy to the relationship, which is I'm incredibly business focused and I have you know, I'm completely financially free and I'm just like this strong, solid provider. Like, So it just works. And I think as long as you've got that balance and any relationship can work. It's incredible, isn't it? It's like not really defined by gender at all. It's just the kind of energy we embody from day to day and it's fluctuating and it's moving, you know, even in like my relationship, my husband's very, you know, that sort of sacred masculine, but if he needs to drop into his emotions and cry, like immediately I like move and just become that kind of masculine force for him, <laughs> which is, yeah. you know, that's like the beauty of a relationship though, isn't it? It's that ebb and flow, just showing up in harmony with each other and in balance with each other. Yeah. And that's, and that again, that has nothing to do with gender. It's just that masculine and feminine energy. And I tend to wonder if, if somebody had have said to me when I was younger, hey, it's cool, you can be with a woman if you want. Like, If my parents had said, hey, you know, it's okay to be gay, and not gay, but like with a woman, with the same sex, I do tend to wonder if I would have actually been with women because it just, the way it feels right now, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm surprised that I was even with men. It doesn't even make sense. I couldn't imagine myself ever going back to that. Um, but it's, it's interesting to think how you know I wish we were given more um openness in terms of sex education and, and it doesn't have to be penis and vagina to be sex you know it doesn't outer course is a thing and there's so much 
more to just what we are told. Out of course, I think a few people probably listening are going, what is that? Can you give us a rundown of what out of course means to you? Well, it's since being with a woman, it's like opened up my mind. And I posted this on Instagram the other day. I remember saying to a friend of mine who's a lesbian, this is only a few years ago. I was like, how do you actually have sex though? Like, how does that work? And she was like, oh, <laughs> you don't get it. And I, I just, now I look at myself back then, I'm thinking, how shall I mind it of me? Being with a woman is there's so much that you can, like there's so much intimacy that I feel we do so much more of um, like with a man, I didn't. We didn't kiss as much as me and my female partner do, and we're co- constantly caressing each other's body and our breasts. And there's like so much that we can do that's not penis and vagina or like penetration. Um, you know, it can be just running energy or um, kind of like sitting in your yam or like oh, out of course can be anything that's not penetration basically and I find that being in a same-sex relationship just brings in more I've never felt so sexually satisfied in my whole life and I think even when I was sort of starting to get into this relationship last year there was this fear like oh my god can I live without a penis like I don't know if I can do this but then as soon as we got together it's like yeah, she holds enough masculine energy and we have enough crystal dildos and strap-ons that would I haven't even thought about you know, what's missing. There's nothing missing. Amazing. So speaking of juicy sex, what are some ways that we can have more orgasms and more pleasure in the bedroom as women? Because so many women that I know anyway, can't orgasm. Mm. Just in terms of like out of the bedroom, start to follow sex positive Instagram accounts, start to read blog articles about all the different orgasms that you can have start to just be open, be curious to learning. There's so many amazing podcasts about, you know, um, Kim and Nami just published one on how to have a vaginal orgasm. There's so much accessible out there. And I, I think a lot of women, we've only been taught about this one clitoral orgasm peak experience that feels amazing. But I think it's just worth really opening up your mind to different pleasure centers in a body. And the more tantra you do, the more yoga, the more breath work, the more you go within and really embody your body, really anything can be pleasurable and ecstatic. Um, You know, you can bring sexual energy to literally any part of your body. And a lot of women have told me and and other women that are using the yoni eggs, you know, that they look radiant. And it's because it's, it's like their sexual energy isn't just located in the genitals. You can actually spread your sexual energy kind of all over your body with mindfulness and with breath and with using that sexual energy to kind of, yeah, re-energize yourself and create more life force in your body. Sexual energy is creative life force energy. It's what created life. So if we're not making babies, what are we creating in either in our life, in our business, in our relationship, but also within our body? So often I'll just do some beautiful you know, the yoni breathing, so inhale clenching and squeezing the yoni egg. Or even if you're not wearing an egg, you can do that right now. You can squeeze the pelvic floor muscles and then exhale, release and relax and soften. And just doing a really basic practice, it's also called Kegels. I guess it's a fancy spiritual way of saying Kegels. Um, just starting pumping some more breath and some more life force into your 
yoni, your vagina, your womb, and then imagine spreading that throughout the whole body. And when you orgasm, so even if you are just still having clitoral orgasms, awesome. But imagine when, when you do have that orgasm, imagine spreading it all over your body rather than just localizing it in the clit because it, you, you have so much more sexual potential than just that. And, you know, I've definitely discovered that through having like my cervix and your cervix is so that's the, so in case you don't know, the cervix is the gateway between the vagina and the womb. And for a lot of women, it's often painful when they're penetrated that deeply and they feel their cervix kind of pushed. Um, a lot of women get sort of um, precancerous cells there and they have to get them burnt off or they have HPV or they've had an IUD kind of shoved in there and created trauma or whatever it is. But resensitizing the cervix through cervical dearmoring, but also through like, yeah, it's exploring your partner's fingers. So if you, if you don't want to have sort of that deep penetration with a penis, try just with fingers. And notice at different times of the month when the cervix feels really pleasurable. Like for me, some weeks I'm like just cervical orgasms. It's just incredible. Other weeks my cervix is like, fuck off, don't touch me. And so just <laughs> tuning into your body. Yeah, I think you do bring that sexual energy into other areas of your life. Right? You know, people, when you have that glow, they're like, oh, you know, what have you mm-hmm. been doing? Um and I'm noticing that more and more, like the more I meditate, the more orgasmic I feel during mm-hmm. meditation, feel like tingles all over my body. And it's exciting. It's like exciting that we can use our sexual energy to harness more creativity, more pleasure, you know, even just more pleasure, like when you're sitting in meditation or walking down the street or at work even. I think it's just amazing what you can do when you start to like tap into that pleasure in yourself. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you have pain or a problem in your body, so if you've got polycystic ovaries or if you've got issues with your cervix or endometriosis, like bring your meditation practice to that pain and breathe into it and actually create more light in those spaces. That's like often I'll just bring my awareness to my ovaries. You know, that's your, the, the little hubs of creation in your body. So I think that's really important too, bringing mindfulness to those parts. If you do have, you know, pain internally, even just the vaginal canal and just breathing in that space. Incredible. So you mentioned that IUD and I'd love to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on contraception for women? And do you think that it is affecting our sexual health or our pleasure? Like, what's the go there? I'm really averse to most contraceptions. I went off the pill when I was 25, so I was on it for about seven years. And basically I didn't have any pain. Like I just went on it, I guess, to to clear up some pimples when I was 17. And I just stayed on it because it was convenient. I didn't want to fall pregnant. But when I went off it, I had a whole lot of pain. I remember crying on the floor, like with my period, and it was just awful. But it was because I'd literally masked all my hormonal period problems for so long. And it was just my womb's way of going, hey, don't ignore me. Don't mask it with a little pill. And so I had to go through a few years of really painful periods. Um, but I've come to, and I worked with the yoni egg in, and yoni steaming and that kind of thing to to really help me with those issues. And even when I met uh, one of the, my ex-boyfriends, I tried to go back on the pill. I went back on the pill for one week. It wasn't even a week, it was five days. And in five days, I got two urinary tract infections. Now, if that's not, you know, a con- coincidence, 
my vagina was saying, fuck, no, do not take this tablet. And often your vagina, your yoni will speak to you loud and clear with what she wants and what she doesn't want. And she might get thrush or yeast infection or bacterial vaginosis or she'll get some mysterious rash. She will tell you, don't sleep with this partner or don't take that tablet or, you know, she'll tell you. So my my yoni was very vocal with that. And so I, I didn't go on it. Now, he he had an STD and so I was a bit wary about, um, you know, obviously having sexual connection with him. Um, and But over to the two-year period that I was with him, I never contracted the STD and I never fell pregnant. Now, he we were very, very conscious with our sexual lovemaking. We didn't, um, he never ejaculated inside me, maybe only once or twice when I was on my period. And I'm aware that you can still fall pregnant on your period. Um, but it felt right at the time and nothing ever happened. So I, we were really conscious with that. And with my next partner, um, same thing. We never had intercourse where he ejaculated inside me. Both these partners had studied Tantra. Um, there are two books. I've got them here. Sexual Secrets for Men by Kerry Riley and Diane Riley and also Tantric Secrets for Men. And I tell you now, they will just help your man learn how to control his ejaculate. Um, or to pull out. So I never went back on the pill. Um, I never wanted to get an IUD. I followed my cycle. I tracked it to the day, even though I didn't really need to because he wasn't ejaculating inside me anyway, but it was still really good to know um, when to maybe just avoid having sex, even if he was pulling out. We've been doing this for centuries, and I think if you know your body well enough, you know the windows when not to have sex, um, and you don't have to traumatise yourself with an IUD or with the pill and also, you know, you can use condoms. If we really wanted to have that experience of like simultaneous um, orgasms at the same time, he would just wear a condom. That's a better idea than, you know, needing to pop pills and put your body in pain. Yeah, I so agree. Haven't been on the pill since I was 17. I've never fallen pregnant. And obviously I'm married and we're very sexually active. And I I feel like I get or I feel a lot of power around my cycle because I know what's going on. I know exactly when I'm ovulating. My body tells me straight away. And like, I just don't believe that I'm going to fall pregnant. I just don't think that I'm going to fall pregnant when we have sex because I know where I'm at and I feel, you know, like I'm in touch with my body. I know exactly what it's saying. Um, And it's not being masked and it's not being tricked into, you know, anything hormonally. So I know where I'm at. And I feel like as well, like for me, I would rather actually fall pregnant, you know, than to be constantly on the pill and constantly out of touch with my womb and constantly like tricking my body into something that it's not. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, yeah, I mean, there's so many issues around this and it's just so important that women don't put themselves through pain I mean, it's obviously you've got to weigh up whether having a baby or being in pain is, you know, what the, the payoffs are. But it is, it's really important that, yeah, we look at other options to, to contraception and natural ways because it's entirely, entirely possible. Totally. I feel like some people don't like hearing these types of conversations, you know, and they say it's totally safe, you know. But as well, you know, a lot of people go on the pill to deal with pain in their womb or PCOS, endometriosis, acne. And I guess, you know, if you're in constant pain and you're looking for that solution, then maybe that 
that's the solution for some people in their minds. But I feel like it's so important to get to the root cause of where that pain comes from and why it's there. Because like you said, our vaginas, our wombs, they're always speaking to us and they're this amazing portal for creativity. I mean, we create human beings from that space. So to ignore that pain, I just think it's it's harmful. Mm, I completely agree. And I had a client who had the worst cramping and period pain, potentially endometriosis. I asked her, I was like, so tell me a, a bit about your sex life. And she was like, oh, it's non-existent. Um, can't remember the last time I've had an orgasm, you know, don't want to have sex with my partner. I'm like, well, what is this trying to tell you? Because, you know, she, she said it wasn't all month round that, you know, she was having the pain. You know, maybe your, your womb or your yoni is actually expressing that she's either really desiring, she needs something, something like, or the relationship's not quite right for her or she just doesn't she's not yet getting what she needs so I think there's all there's issues there's deeper issues both within the woman but also within the relationship and often our womb and our yoni will communicate that through pain or numbness or you know these multitude of issues that we're currently facing what are some really I guess comprehensive ways that you can start to embody your sexiness or your sexual essence in your day-to-day Definitely dancing more, so putting on beautiful music and actually moving your body, moving your feminine body, getting into your hips um, and just, you know, putting, even if it's just one track, one song every day that you put on and you just get into your body, I think that's ridiculously important. Anything, literally anything focused on the hips down, you know, below the belly button basically. So many women are disconnected from the belly button down. So, you know, if you can yoni steam, so sitting over some beautiful herbs infusing in hot water and let the steam go up inside the, the womb. I don't know how many women I've had message me saying how much more grounded and juicy and sensual they feel after doing that. Breast massage, using your yoni egg you know, looking at your yoni, actually getting a mirror and gazing at her, massaging her and and actually build a relationship with that part of your body. It's just like any other part of your body. And if you can kind of strip back the layers of shame and guilt that you've built and maybe even, you know, that you don't like the way she looks, the more comfortable you get with it, the more comfortable your partner will be too. And the more you get to know her and what she likes, you know, what is what feels good. Actually, do do all the things that we really should have done when we were an adolescent exploring our sexuality. And I even said to a woman the other day on a podcast, I said, imagine if we were educated to pop our own cherry. Imagine if we were told to, you know, take our own virginity rather than have, need to give it to anyone else or you know, have someone else take it. I don't even like the term virginity, but you know what I mean? Like, But it's never too late to do that. You can be 40, 50 years old and experience that first feeling imagine that you're bringing that this is the first time that you've done this to yourself in a conscious loving way wow it makes so much sense doesn't it with regards to relationships I know you talk about rewriting your relationship contract so how can people start to rewrite their relationship or steer their relationship in a more positive empowering direction and how can we be more vulnerable with our partners yeah I think it comes all the way down to communication and over if you've been with your partner for a long period of time over time you can start to almost friend zone your partner and 
almost put them in like they become so familiar, they become like a family member. You want to put your partner back so out of the friend zone and back into your lover. So yes, they're your husband or they're your wife or they're your boyfriend or girlfriend, but they're your lover as well. And really remembering that, you know, they were, tell them they look sexy, tell like inspire them, smack their butt, you know, when they're in the kitchen or surprise them. I think we don't do these kinds of things and not initiate sex with them. You know, whatever it is that you need to do to feel sexy and sensual, it's it's kind of a lot of people saying, well, I felt really good and easy doing this in a one-night stand or with a random. I could be really open and erotic and expressive. But actually being that really raunchy, sexual, sensual, energetic, whatever it is that's your style, bringing that into your 20-year relationship is so much harder than just doing it. Like it's so easy to just be completely authentically you and raunchy and kind of really real with someone that you don't even know or don't even really care about but to be actually fully seen and witnessed and in your primal or your crying or that you know your ecstatic pleasure to actually experience that with your loved one like someone that loves you unconditionally you know that's really big so it's and it's important that we maintain that connection you know if you feel like things are kind of not going in that direction it's really important to reignite that spark and only you'll know how to do that for you, you know, and if that means, hey, you've got to go get some pole dancing lessons or you've got to come to a naked yoga workshop with me or do something invigorating to light you up and then bring that into your relationship because you can't change your partner. You can only change yourself. Such great advice. I think also, you know, intimacy is not just in the bedroom, is it? It's in the conversations we're having it's in the way that we hold hands in the way that we touch each other just in the day the way we speak to each other the language we use like intimacy is created in so many ways leading up to just getting into bed together right oh 100% yeah so like in your text messages even like it's important to still send your partner sexy messages or yeah hold their heart kiss their hand you know stroke their hair um, doing all those little things, even buying her flowers or buying him flowers, like just figuring out what their love language is. So the five love languages, I know it's really basic, but figuring out what it is that they love. Like if your partner's a really anal kind of OCD person and the dishes are all done and they can come home and they're done and you're in your lingerie waiting, like that might be what turns them on or maybe they need that quality time or maybe they need you know, a gift or something. Just figuring out what your partner needs. But not sometimes figuring it out, you know, that can be tricky. And that's why sitting down and actually just talking about it. I'm encouraging go talk about that pink elephant and get it out of the room so that you can come back to a connection of love. Wow. Amazing advice. Thank you. And before I forget to ask this, this was a question that came up a lot with my listeners. And it was a woman who said that she had a really traumatic birth and for her, she's now really struggling to reconnect to her partner and to feel, I guess, sexual pleasure and feel safe in that area. And that's something that I've heard a lot of clients actually say to me. So have you experienced clients with that same issue and like what remedies or what processes would you encourage them to go through to tap back into that sexual essence in their womb? Yeah, well, birth trauma is really, really common and 
it can take a long time for a woman to kind of come back to that feeling of, you know, being horny again for their partner. Um, and in fact, you know, there's natural chemicals that are released that kind of don't uh, in the following two years after having a baby that don't actually draw women to wanting to have sex because they're actually just in protection mode of their baby. And that's, that's where all the energy is going is keeping that baby alive. And that's, that's what, what's important, not mating biologically, you know? So also giving yourself a bit of a break, like mm. remember what you've gone through, you've actually created a child and birthed that baby. And often what can happen is women, you know, go through this huge life-changing event, but then in the process they kind of desexualize themselves and they disconnect to that part of their body being a sexual part of their body and it's become this life-creating part of their body, you know, so it's very, it's not, not sexy. Um, so it's actually reconnecting to it being you know, a part of their body that gives them love and pleasure, like really, you know, juicy and, and, and incredible pleasure. Uh, often you kind of forget that after a while, particularly if there's been a lot of pain or trauma or numbness created from that whole experience. So I think it's important women take as long as they need and not rush that process of, of coming home to that sexual part of themselves, but also not putting it on the back burner too much because if you put it off, put it off, put it off, you'll never come back. And I've I've coached women who've been putting it off for seven to 10 years after a baby. And the longer you do leave it, you know, there's that two-year window that is you, you're kind of recuperating after the birth and you, your priorities change. But if you leave it too long, you can often lose that spark. You know, your partner still needs that sexual connection with you and remembering that it actually brings you closer together. Um, but also just start with connecting with yourself sexually. So the more you start to do that um, and even taking the orgasm, the whole orgasm thing away like from the goal and just start with, okay, this feels nice and sending some breath there and actually just using your yoni egg to create a bit more lubrication, a bit more muscle tone after that, um, you will naturally start to become more um, juicy and aroused. And, and just remembering that sex is what it bonds you together with your partner. And it does feel good and it, it's actually important for health and for immunity and for your wellness. So remembering all of that and actually creating time, I think that's the biggest thing is we just put it off, put it off, and it's just if you can create some time to prioritise pleasure. You know, I think that the prioritise your pleasure, if you can take anything away from today, is like figure out what gives you joy and pleasure, whether that's sexual or sensual, figure out what turns you on. This whole conversation has turned me on, to be honest. I think it's just, <laughs> you've given some amazing insights and some really just awesome advice that I don't really think that many people are used to hearing, but it's so needed. It, this conversation is so needed. So thank you so much for sharing everything, Rosie. For the people who are listening who are equally turned on by this and they want to kind of explore or they want to find out more about, you know, crystal wands, de-armoring, yoni eggs, steaming, all of that stuff, uh, where can they find out more about this or more about what you do? Amazing. So head to yonipleasurepalace.com or rosyreese.com, so R-E-E-S for sunshine. And our Instagram is rosie.reese or yoni underscore pleasure underscore palace. And we've got lots of juicy things happening over there. We've got a whole month of yoni egg challenge that you can sign up for. Um, and we'll be using the yoni egg every day in a, in a private group and you'll be getting all the inspiration you need. 
Wow, that sounds amazing. I might have to join. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Thank you so much, Rosie. It's been amazing talking to you. Thanks for having me, Amy. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.